Sometimes you get lucky and your game is an instant hit without investing in growth. For everyone else, there's IronSource. IronSource is a game tech company which builds technologies that helps you guys take your games to the next level. The company is developing the leading growth engine for mobile games, offering a robust monetization management platform and data-driven user acquisition platform. What sets IronSource apart is their ability to close the monetization and marketing loop to help developers supercharge growth in a super efficient way. So whether you're looking to drive revenue or to scale your audience smartly and ROI positively, IronSource is a perfect partner for you. We here at Deconstructor Fun are giant fans of IronSource because it's truly a growth platform that a developer of all sizes can leverage. So we suggest that you head on to ironsource.com, that's ironsrc.com, and check out the platform for yourself. Thanks. Hey everybody, welcome to Twig 66. In this week's episode, we will be covering the following news article. First, the big news, which is Scopely to acquire Fox Next Games from the Walt Disney Company by Business Wire. Secondly, Stillfront Group acquires Dragon Story Dev Stormate for as much as 400 million by Gamasutra. We will also be covering some parts of the Stillfront press conference where they talk about their acquisition of Storm 8. And finally, Tencent to grow gaming empire with 148 million acquisition of Conan publisher Funcom in Norway. And today on the podcast, it's just me and Eric. So Eric, what's going on? Oh, it's lonely days, just you and me. I don't know if, I mean, I love you, man, but uh, kind of, uh, I miss Adam and Mishka. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're off doing their own thing. I think <clears throat> Adam has lots of baby duties going on, so um, good luck with that. And then right. uh, who knows what Mishka's doing? Probably off on another boondoggle <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I actually have a quick personal update on my side. First of all, <clears throat> last night I was up in SF in your neck of the woods, and I went to a talk by that leadership guru dude, Simon Sinek. It was actually really, really good. I mean, I thought the dude was pretty good from some of the YouTube videos and TED Talks and stuff like that. But I kind of only knew him as like the millennial guy and the start with why guy. But last night he was talking about some of his book material from his uh, latest book, Infinite Games. And, and he literally like blew out the house like, there were people who were crying like, oh my God, you changed my life. And I was like, how does it start with why actually change your life? But in the end, it was, it, it was pretty exciting. He got a standing ovation. So if, if anyone has an opportunity to, see, to hear him talk, I highly recommend it. And one of the things that he mentioned was trying to start a book club. And so I'm going to take his advice. So if anyone out there in the San Francisco Bay Area wants to join me on a gaming exec pm book club please let me know i'm trying to get uh, four people together to get that going hey who had the hell has the time to read dude are you crazy <laughs> come on and second update is that i'm heading out to india today so it's going to be like a 20 plus hour flight and i'll be out for six weeks in pune india so if any deconstructor of fun podcast listeners listeners are out in pune please let me know let's meet up but I'm basically going to be working on a new game prototype with our partners out there and should be pretty interesting times. I think we're also going to do a, a quick news flash update. Is that right, Eric? Yeah, let's just uh, run through a few big news stories so we can cover more stuff, but just not as deep is kind of the idea. So why don't you go ahead and start with the, uh, the big oh, rumor? Right. So the first uh, and in line with the theme of this week, which is all about 
Mergers and acquisition mania is the rumor that Sony will acquire Kojima Productions and set new horror game for PS5. So it, for those who don't know, Kojima Productions are the guys that made a ton of massive hits, including that last hit, Walking Simulator, also known as Death Stranding. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> I would not characterize that thing as a hit. I think it may have done 3 million units, which... Yeah, the, the previous games, right, are, are hits. So. Yes, yes. I mean, the guy's a genius, but uh, I'm not sure how profitable that game was, Death Stranding. So, um, and also the oddities around what that game is kind of limits its, its appeal, that's for sure. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Why don't you go ahead and cover the rest? All right. So uh, the other, the next story is uh, the delay of next season of Fortnite, which has my my son is very upset by this. And basically, evidently, they're trying to put in some new Unreal tech, and it's basically a new physics engine, which may in fact actually bring some people back to the game. But it's very likely that we'll see tons of bugs when you try to integrate tech into something that's been running for so long. I think there's a lot of challenges with that, and that's probably what they're seeing um, in their alpha. They are looking of ways to bring people back to the game because I think there's a lot of evidence out there that the the user base is falling and a lot of the other games are are benefiting, including Apex and Call of Duty. So hopefully, you know, Epic can get this thing done and, and done in a way that's super, you know, compelling and bring people back, you know, so that's good. The next one, which I think is really exciting for me personally, is uh, the Star Wars Old Republic remaster sequel has been rumored to be in development. Nice. So this is one of those rumors. This is similar to Final Fantasy VII. You know, this thing has been talked about forever, right? Of, of some kind of remake, remaster, or a sequel in general. It's probably what most people want. This thing came out in 2003, right? On PC and Xbox. And... It's been ported to mobile, but other than that, I think they've pretty much not done much with at all with the franchise. A lot of people consider this to be one of the best RPGs of all time. For me, uh, I think a reinvention of this makes a lot of sense. And what EA has been doing is teasing a remaster. They have a CNC remaster in development for this year, but they have another remaster in development for this year, but they're not saying what it is. And uh, my job is to figure that out, and frankly, I have not done a great job of that. But initially, I thought it was a Battlefield game, and then there was some comments about a Mass Effect game potentially, but in my mind, this is actually probably the best potential uh, for sales anyway uh, of a remake slash remaster because this game is, is phenomenal and I think there'd be a lot of interest and in actually a lot of potential new players uh, for this versus something like Mass Effect in particular. So very exciting if that would happen. Are you a big fan, Joseph? Yeah, no, I think that's the best Star Wars story ever. <laughs> so. Yeah. For sure. I, know. I mean, a lot of people consider it better than the movies, right? Like just better than the story. There's itself. no question. All right, no all right. question it's better than the movies. But I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not here to debate that. I'm just saying it would be highly uh, beloved, I think, if they were actually to execute against something like that and maybe streamline the gameplay a little bit, prove some of those things. But I don't think they need to improve all that much, frankly. So right. uh, the next one, which I don't have as much insights on, so I'm just going to talk out of my butt on this one, is Dying Light was delayed with no release date. So when things are delayed, when they're this close to launch, because I think this thing was coming out in May, if I'm not mistaken, this still looks bad, right? Uh, this is like one of those things where it hits a gate or, you know, hits like alpha or, you know, close to, close to beta. Um, and they look at it and they say, oh my God, we just need to start over or, you know, you know, reimagine this game. This is kind of like, anyway, I'm not, I'm not going to throw that under the bus, but the game actually sold quite well the last time it came out. And I think 
you know, Square Enix is probably trying to make sure that they don't destroy this brand by something that's not good. But I, I honestly I have no information on this. It's just kind of speculative at this point. Um, and Square Enix also delayed Final Fantasy, so not a real great week for them this week. So hopefully those guys can pull it out and, and, and create a great game. But um, yeah, we'll see when it ever comes out. And I just want to like, one of the notions that I keep hearing on uh, the press is that, oh no, they're just delaying this to go on next gen. Okay, that does not happen. Okay, that is not something ideal. If you've been working on current gen this whole time on a game for four years or whatever, you don't just say, oh, I'm going to delay it to go on a next gen. That is a ridiculous, that's even a ridiculous statement to some degree. That's not what, something you would want to be forced to do. You, uh, you work on something with that generation in mind and then you bring it to the next gen. You don't like convert it to next gen. That's just not, not a smart thing to say in general. Anyway, so my, that's my last. So what's the first article? We got Scopely. Yeah, so jumping right in, Scopely to acquire Fox Next Games from the Walt Disney Company. And so Scopely announced last Wednesday on January 22nd that they had acquired Fox Next Games from Disney. And it's now been fairly widely reported on by all the other major game news sites, but at least the initial announcement did not come with very much information about the deal, such as purchase price or restructuring plans or things like that. For those who are not aware, the main value from Fox Next comes from their existing game, Marvel Strike Force, which has done pretty well from a top-line revenue perspective, and there has been a fair amount of buzz with respect to their upcoming 4X March Battle game, Avatar Pandora Rising, which we've discussed here. I've heard a lot of good things about initially, uh, but as I mentioned on previous podcasts that included from... Fox Next people, for example. More recently, I am hearing some more pessimistic views on the game, but as we talked about on previous podcasts, we should actually do more analysis, go into this in more depth, and we'll actually do that analysis of that game in the future. Also, in related but separate news, it has been announced by VentureBeat that Disney will close SF-based Fog Bank, which was a Fox Next-owned studio that made the interactive narrative story game Storyscape. So, Eric, I guess we can talk about that if you'd like, but Let's jump right into it with Eric, your take. You know, I'm not sure where we should start here because uh, we've been talking about this thing for quite a while. Um, <laughs> you know, on the one hand, I could talk about the deal-making skills of Walter, Henry, and Javier, but I think people are a little bit tired of me talking about that. Or I could talk about all my buddies at Fox Next because I used to work at Kabam and the majority of the people that are at Fox Next were actually Kabamers. So and uh, that the fact that you know everyone in SF is probably left out of this deal, which actually was was confirmed recently, or I could talk about Aaron Loeb. Now I absolutely love Aaron Loeb. I think the guy is the coolest guy. One of those guys that you want to go have a beer with and talk with. He's creative. He's interesting. But this guy has made every right move. He came over from EA and went to Kabam. They got bought. He went over to, and then they got sold to partially sold to um, Netmarble Net for a gazillion dollars. And then he went over with Fox and got, and got something there. And now he's getting acquired by, again, right? So this guy has made every single right move. And, I, and I'm super happy for him and all his success. And now, hopefully, he'll continue and uh, continue to make great games. Now, the other thing, what's interesting about Aaron, if you, anyone knows him, is that I think all he really wants to do is write plays. I'm not too sure how committed he is to games because he's a really pretty prolific playwright. So anyway, the other thing I could talk about how long and painful the process was for everybody involved. And I actually stopped talking to a lot of my people because I didn't want to know anything about this deal because I didn't want to like, you know, get myself into any trouble. 
but I'm glad uh, that finally this date deal is done and we can stop speculating and we can you know talk about what's really happening out there. So instead of all that, I'm going to talk about what I think it means for Scopely because in general, I have to admit, I think this is a great deal for Scopely. I don't think they overpaid from what I'm hearing. Uh, they got a great game and a great team and... And I think they're doing what I think they should have done all along is to basically own the means of production. And they, they're pushing in that direction to basically acquire teams so that they can actually make games um, at Scopely. So they basically acquired the Marvel game, which I think is, is a pretty good game and it should continue to deliver. And they have the opportunity to optimize the Avatar game. One of the things I was a little bit mistaken on a while back, and someone pointed it out to me uh, from Warner, as a matter of fact, uh, was that the Avatar game metrics are actually reasonably strong, but they just, but they are not strong, right? They're not like some of the other like more contemporary uh, strategy games. So there's a lot of work to be done in order to make it a much higher LTV game, which I think Scopely is potentially capable of doing, and to make that game a lot bigger than it would have been otherwise. So. I think I like to use a word which I absolutely hate because I think it's way overused. Um, and the only way, generally when I only, I only use this word when it's in a very sarcastic way is like, I think there's a lot of synergies between these two companies, right? And I think it's just up to them to execute, right? So on, on the slightly negative side, I mean, I think this is a huge bet for them, right? I think they likely spent the majority of their cash to get this deal done. So while I think it's a very smart acquisition, I think they have a lot of line online to make it successful and maintaining revenue for Marvel will be critical. But I think the most critical thing for them is to make sure that Avatar game is a success. And if these things can get done, perhaps they can justify their current valuation at the last round. <laughs> but I think there's a lot of work for Henry, Javier, and uh and the rest of the crew and you know we'll see how it all shapes up over over time to see if they can make a real success with basically some own you know their own ip sorry not their own ip but their own uh, games developed um out of their own studios you know so it should be interesting what do you think joseph so this deal was very interesting for sure we as you mentioned we've been talking about and speculating a lot about this for a while my whole experience of this deal reminded me, especially on the day that it was announced, of that old Kurosawa film, Rashomon, which is an old Japanese movie where a murder occurs and you get all of these different points of view with conflicting perspectives and things, things like that. So the morning of that deal, I heard from just about everybody and got lots of perspectives, which were pretty interesting. I will say I'm not as optimistic on the deal as you, Eric, but personally, like a lot of the guys at Scopely and wish them the best. No comment on the purchase price, but I think it's best we avoid talking about that. One surprising thing, though, is that I do think that although I previously reported a lot of rumors and speculation, which I then later said were conflicting, I actually think I was right on almost all of it. So even the rumors that could be interpreted as incorrect, in my opinion, were probably correct at that time. And just to kind of pat ourselves on the back a little bit, and just to show how prescient we are on this podcast, let me replay a few comments from previous episodes. So please indulge me, guys. Sorry. No, you but... don't. No, you don't. <laughs> don't do it. So first from Twig7. Yes, all the way back to 7, we're on 67. So here's a quote all the way back. 
2018 on uh, speculation on Scopely and Fox Next. I'll play that for you right now. My take is that if I were if I were Scopely, mm-hmm. I would be looking to swoop in on this, right? I, I'd be like, okay, we just raised a bunch of money um, as, as we covered a couple of shows, <laughs> a couple of shows back. But you know, in terms of a fit, like you know, Marvel Strike Force. It's an IP-based game. Fox Next is, you know, clearly focusing on IP-based games. That's Scopely's model. Seems like that would be a good fit. Okay, we're back. Then on Twig 55, after the Scopely raise, I speculated on who Scopely could be going after and basically said that there's only two names that make sense. So let me play that for you as well. From a Scopely perspective, who are the viable targets? In my mind, there's really only two, right? There's, there's Fox Next or... Now, Fox Next, as we've talked about before, probably not a likely target for a public company. So maybe, maybe if they can get restructured, you know, maybe, who knows? Maybe that might be a potential target for them. All right. So we're back. And just to clarify that quote from Twig55, we were speculating that Fox Next likely would require a fair amount of restructure. But at the time, we thought there would potentially be a buyer that was willing to keep everything together and willing to offer a pretty aggressive price. What kind of company would do that? I don't know, let's say you're a company that loves apps, for example, or games, so you wanna keep everything together. Anyway, and just to be clear, the comment about Fox Next not making sense for a public company was in the context of what they would be able to offer competitively and what they would need to do to make the deal make sense for them. But, so I would speculate that there likely was a public company in that bidding process, but anyway, we actually are trying to get a podcast with Tim O'Brien over at Scopely. He is their chief revenue officer. We'll see if we can get that done or not. I don't know. It's kind of like looking like maybe not, but <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Uh, moving on to Stillfront. Eric. All right. Let's do it. Um, I think I, for the record, I, I would like to say that I did say, I think at one point I said that this deal would be a little bit too big for Scopely um, to get done. But I think with the, the the raise that they did, as well as I think the price that they got, I think they could they got it done. Uh, but as I said, I think it's you know majority of their resources are probably pretty much dedicated to this. And yeah, this is- actually, you know, in that in Twig Fifty Five, I actually thought that it would be the other company that gets done. Yeah, yeah. But I don't I don't think that so they probably don't have the bullets for that now, right? So for the for the other company. So no, no, and and again, I think you know they just have a lot on their hands to get this thing done, right? You know, and make this thing work. So. We will keep following it and see how, how they do and particularly um, see if they can keep Marvel going as well as the uh, and release a successful next game or improve monetization and beta too, for that matter, for uh, Avatar. All right, Stillfront. Um, so Stillfront uh, acquires Storm 8 for $300 million and basically $100 million in earnout. it looks like, if certain targets are met. So I honestly was not that familiar with Stillfront, and so I'm glad I'm covering this uh you know basically stillfront is a european country com- company that's actually public um which so i should have known about it frankly but anyway they've acquired about 12 game studios including kicksai and good game i actually know good game reasonably well I-, I thought they were a pretty good company back in the day so storm 8 will almost almost double the acquisition of Stormate will almost double their run rate of around $300 million a year in revenue. So they're basically approaching the size of glue in some sense. But um, as a company, according to their financials, they're far more profitable than glue. Um, 
And again, they're on the Stockholm Exchange and they're worth around a billion dollars. So eventually they actually may be uh, a target for a public, uh, for other big mobile game companies. Um, but I'm not too familiar with them or their management team, but they put together a pretty good, decent set of assets. And, uh, you know, with their core strategy of growing through acquisition. And then I looked at some of the other game companies and I just didn't spend a lot of time on it. I wasn't too familiar with any of the other companies that they've acquired though. But between Good Game, uh, Kixai, and, uh, and uh, StoreMate, I think they have a pretty good set of products, generally speaking. So I am actually relatively familiar with StoreMate because, man, they were like the OG of mobile, right? Because they were first on, on, on Facebook and then they moved to mobile. Uh, and they had a lot of success in the early days of mobile. You know, they were basically a company that was doing a lot of fast follows, that huge network where cross-promotion organics was, uh, was critical. I mean, some of those days have kind of gone. But um, in, in, in my sense, I think they initially made a real successful move from uh, Facebook to mobile, and it worked for, for a bit. But ultimately, I think they had similar problems to Zynga and others in which the Facebook model of fast follows and quick releases and, and huge waves of customers going, funneling into uh, f- funneling millions of users in order to generate uh, performance kind of just stopped working. So the market ended up moving you know, companies like Kabam and Machine Zone, et cetera, went to higher LTV games. And they, I think in a sense, they were a bit left behind. But the reality of it is during that time, as far as I remember, they were minting money, right? So they're making, they're pretty profitable. And I think they're minting money at their at things. So they weren't, they weren't hurting. So it seemed like they were trying to do a pivot to get into more like AAA high LTV games uh, by hiring some experienced developers from Zynga, including uh, Steve, Steve Parkus. I don't know him, but I do know Tim Letourneau in 2014 and to build, help build them more, I would imagine to help build more AAA games. But that strategy seemed to be at odds probably with the power of the B because Tim and Steve left after a year. So uh, and it was funny because I actually was walking around Zynga at the time and I saw Tim there. I'm like, what the heck? You're supposed to be at Stormate. But anyway, the notion was that like, in my mind, Stormate was a very closely held firm. It didn't have a VC backing. Uh, and so the three founders, Perry, Chak, and... Who's the other guy? William. Uh, we're basically cashing checks, right? Dividend, 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 right? Or whatever. And, uh, and you know, they didn't really have as much incentive to, you know, do much else as far as I'm concerned. So, and Terrence Fung, by the way, if anybody doesn't know Terrence Fung, I love that guy, right? The guy is OG and he's an ex-investment banker. And if anybody's more grouchy than me, it's him. So anyway, I love this guy. Really smart and super grouchy. So, I haven't got an update in years. So I haven't really talked to his Terrence or any of these guys in a long time. So my information is a little bit outdated to be honest, but according to sensor tower, they basically peaked out at around 120 million. And I know a lot of their businesses advertising, so I'm not including that, but they've declined to around 40 to 50 million in the past few years uh, and 45 something or like that in 2019. So according to the financials, they're sitting at around about hundred, 110 million, I think. Um, so, and, and they still have a gajillion games in the market. But what's really interesting about the game now is, uh, the company now is that Home Design, Makeover, and Property Bros is driving a, a big part of their business. And so I think back in the day, I think they were approached by many companies to get acquired um, in the, you know, the 2012, 2013 range, but I just don't think they were interested. And so now it looks like you know, they're ready to, maybe the management guys are moved, ready to move on. They've been doing this forever and, you know, it's just time to sell. And so Stillfront probably offered them something that they 
felt comfortable doing. So that's kind of my long way of saying that uh, these guys have done extremely well at mobile and have weathered the storms and now have gotten sold and now they can go off and do whatever they want by a yacht, <laughs> you know, like enjoy their life, right? And not have to deal with this crap anymore. So good for them and good for Terrence, man. The guy stuck with that for a long, long time. And uh, I really do like that guy. Yeah, I'll agree with you on Terrence, Eric. I, I think he's a, he's a pretty cool guy. And like you, Stillfront, I consider a really interesting company. And like you, I, I haven't really heard about them before prior to this acquisition. So it's interesting to learn more about their model, what they're doing, their financing. And just in terms of the level of transparency, like they, in, on the Stillfront press conference, they broke down all of the transaction details as well as like sources and uses of funds to fund the acquisition and how much is debt, how much is equity and all that kind of stuff. So from that perspective, it's really interesting to check that out. And I recommend for folks to actually listen to that press conference as well. But the other really interesting aspect of this deal is Storm 8 itself. Some of the key data of which we can glean from that still front press conference, but some of that data is actually quite surprising. One interesting aspect as well is just, it does seem that when you look at the data sources like AppAnnie and Sensor Tower, that the revenue that's being reported does seem to be a bit off. So, you know, so StormAid is claiming 1 billion lifetime revenue. I think Sensor Tower has them at 460 million. AppAnnie has them at 350 million since 2014. So either there's a little bit of an accuracy issue or StormAid's making a shit ton of money in ad revenue. So that, that could be the case as well. And like Eric stated, they were from 2014, they were in a steady decline. And then 2018, home design makeover really brought them back to life. And so it really kind of shows you what the impact of one game can have on your company, but it was, it was pretty dramatic. But talking about some of the more interesting data points, first is their statement that 90% of their installs are organic. That's right, even in today's current market, against fairly competitive market genres like match three and home design. So that's very interesting. Second is that the last 12 months of revenue of $118 million against 58 million in EBIT. That is a very high, very impressive EBIT margin. So if you've been exposed to as many mobile game studios as I have, I gotta say both of these numbers would actually be red flags to me, not that they are bad, but actually the opposite. They seem too good to be true. So awesome for those guys if that all checks out, but it would certainly make me wonder how they're doing that and would make me want to take a closer look under the hood. But the Stormy guys, still front guys, should actually take that, as, that comment as a compliment, actually. Third, they were showing payback periods of 60 to 90 days. And from my perspective, this is not consistent with the industry for the competitive genres at the end. So uh, a little bit of a pet peeve with me, but I'm assuming they're playing the game of factoring in all organics into their paid ROAS calculation. They also mistakenly call ROAS ROI. They call it paid ROI, which is technically incorrect and actually a little bit sloppy. And I actually do disagree with a lot of people in the industry that in that I don't think you should do what they are doing, which is blending in or organics. I mean, just if you just think about it, if you do paid UA for a game like Subway Surfers, if you include all organics, your payback period is basically like 30 seconds. So that kind of analysis would suggest you pay like any cost per user. 
anyway, I'm, I'm assuming that's what they're doing. And I personally don't like that type of analysis. Uh, and this is especially true when you use a misleading name for that metric like paid ROI. What they should be calling it is blended ROAS. Anyway, that's all I have to say about that. And moving on to our last article, which is Tencent to grow gaming empire with 148 million acquisition of Conan publisher Funcom in Norway. So TechCrunch reports that Tencent made an offer to acquire Funcom pending approval for $148 million. Funcom is based in Oslo, Norway, and is the developer behind Conan Exiles, Dune, and 28 other titles. TechCrunch also noted that Tencent has made a range of investments that include Riot, Epic, Ubisoft, Paradox, Frontier, and Miniclip. These companies in turn also make investments such as Miniclip's acquisition of Ilion, which we previously reported on here on this podcast as well. TechCrunch suggests that Tencent likes to make minority investments, but with an eye to fully acquire those companies if it makes sense. This was the case with Funcom in which Tencent actually acquired 29% of the company back in September of 2019. So my take on this is I, I don't have too much to comment on here besides the continued domination of the games market by Tencent. They're literally like the Borg of the industry. And they are basically putting chips into every category of games, which makes me wonder, what is their cloud gaming strategy? I'm sure they have one. They probably announced it, but I'm just not personally aware of what that is. Also, it just makes me very jealous if you are a Tencent Corp Dev guy with all of the info that you have access to. You literally have the ability to connect all of the dots in the industry, and you could make massive profits investing in the gaming space. So... Just want to let anyone from Tencent know that I'm open to connections on LinkedIn. Hit me up. And you, <laughs> you absolute slut. Stop it. Stop All it. right, Eric, what's your take? <laughs> I, I, I honestly don't know what the interest is here. I, the Funcom has like Conan, which I think is pretty interesting uh, back in the day, but, uh, but I don't think there's any people playing that game. I think they're working on a Dune MMO, and then there's another... Uh, IP that they're working on, and I guess my guess here is in in a, again, sorry to be cynical, is that they were basically down to like a really low cash level around 16 million. Um, so perhaps with Dune and the new IP in development, they just basically uh, wanted to get some money to finish the product, and that's kind of the situation that we're in. So maybe they Tencent is seeing you know some potential here, but uh, I mean perhaps. Uh, on the flip side, maybe there's nothing else to buy out there. I don't know. <laughs> I actually think Tencent has a spreadsheet where they basically break down every potential category and genre of games. And then they look at who the top players are and they invest in every single one of those categories. <laughs> I believe that's what they do. Yeah, but if you compare their other acquisitions like Epic and Supercell to <laughs> sure, something sure, like sure. Funcom, it's like, come on. Yeah, I mean, there's really? a prioritization in that. <laughs> prioritization. <laughs> but, it's like, it's, it's, it's in a different, like, universe right yeah so they're they're, they're moving down that, that list yeah <laughs> and I, i'm going to reiterate my frustration is that chinese companies can buy your american and european companies but we cannot do vice versa that's very annoying um but on the flip side the good news here is that i'm actually kind of excited for a new mmo so if they can actually get the funding from tencent in order to build something new with dune uh because i don't think the conan engine was all that bad i mean i think i played the conan game a lot and way back it's long it's old 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 but um so maybe this new ip and dune mmo if they can get it to market then I'm more power to them dude and i'm i'm excited to try any mmo because i'm a total mmo junkie but uh yeah i think 
it'll be interesting to see what they can pull out of a uh, Funcom and 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 when we can see a new game from them. All right, and so that basically is it. That concludes M&A Mania Week. And I think, I don't know, do, is, is there anything else coming up? When, when do we think Zynga is going to pull the trigger on, on their deal? On what deal? What are you talking about? <laughs> they, didn't do, they didn't do a sale lease back oh, of their oh, billing for nothing. <laughs> that's right. They have all this money from this convert. They got to spend it. I think actually investors are getting a little bit frustrated with that. So they have all this cash, like let's, let's put it to work, right? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, what, come on, they didn't next. do that without a name in mind, right? <laughs> no, but I, I, we, I think we talked about this. I think that deal fell through, and so now it's a question of what's next. I just don't. There's not a lot of assets out there that that are that are compelling, right? Um, and that so are may, to get maybe done. the name that I thought Scopely was going to pull the trigger on, but now that Scopely likely will not do that, maybe Zynga does. Well, we'll maybe, see. maybe. All right. We shall see. I'll be tracking. So you're off to India huh, for six weeks. Yep. I have to admit that your wife must be a saint because my wife would literally throw me in the trash if I ever did that. So, <laughs> I mean, anyway, have fun in India and try to get some work done. Sounds good. All right. Bye, so, everybody. Talk to you later. Bye.